Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So today, I bring you a fantastic episode from an incredible person, somebody who actually some of you may already know. So today, I have Cynthia Thurlow on the show, and What was fascinating about Cynthia is that she has so many facets and so many areas of expertise in her career that it was almost a challenge just to try and find one that we could really speak about in this episode. But conscious of trying to give you guys the most value, I felt I needed to focus more on the whole imposter syndrome, the adversity, the mindset sort of side, because obviously that's what we're all trying to achieve in our own lives we're all trying to obviously overcome our obstacles we're trying to limit our excuses and we're just trying to grow that little bit every single day so she is a nurse practitioner she's a TEDx speaker with over 4 million views let me just repeat that 4 million views she's an expert in intermittent fasting something that I do as well and she's also got an everyday wellness podcast so I think you're going to absolutely love this episode. I truly had an incredible time having that conversation with Cynthia where I learned so much and we just, I thought there was great synergy and she actually used that word herself at the end because it was so easy to speak to her and at the same time she was doing stuff that I could really resonate with and I hope you guys at home can resonate with some of the stuff as well because we all experience limiting beliefs, we all experience imposter syndrome and it's just nice to know that somebody who's out there now making a success in an arena that maybe she didn't think she could do being an introvert it's it's exciting and it's inspiring so without further ado let's get this interview on the way so firstly i'd just like to welcome cynthia how are you doing today i'm doing great thank you so much for having me on you're very welcome thank you for coming on so obviously you are a woman of many talents actually and you've got quite a few diverse range of topics but obviously conscious of the listeners i want to obviously give them the most value possible while we have you on the show. So if you wouldn't mind, Cynthia, if you could just kind of give us a summary about yourself. And then what I want to do is, if you wouldn't mind telling us how you got into speaking about neuroplasticity and your thoughts on mindset as well, please. Oh, sure. So I am, obviously, I live in the United States, if you can't already tell from my (laughs) accent. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner, and I'm also an entrepreneur. But I think my most important titles uh, are mom and wife. I have uh, two boys that are, I have a teen and a tween. So my life is uh, dealing with crotchety, stinky children uh, (laughs) right now, who are now as tall as me, which always makes things interesting. But I got into the speaking because I, even though people are surprised to hear this, I've done a lot of media work, but I am a a classic introvert. Mm -hmm. And I I believe in having big, scary dreams for yourself. And so last year, I decided that the scariest thing I could think of, it was within a safe, you know, reasonable kind of uh, perspective was to do a TED Talk. And so I endeavored to do that. And wrote a lot of applications and all those applications yielded me three talks, one of which I turned down. And so that kind of got the the public speaking piece really rolling and has been, you know, obviously incredibly growthful and, 
you know, it's all slaying all those limiting beliefs that we tell ourselves, oh, I can't do that. You can absolutely do it. You can be a total badass. Uh, but that's how the, the, the public speaking piece really kind of started. I had done quite a bit of that as a nurse practitioner, but on a smaller scale. And I just wanted an opportunity to kind of reach a larger audience. I think um, having the ability to connect with the public is really incredibly um can be incredibly inspiring for the people that are listening. Obviously, your listeners understand that listening to your guests that come on and and your discussions with them. But I think the power of words, the power of communication is undeniable. And so I recognized pretty quickly that I'd rather rather be speaking to a larger audience than a smaller one. Mm, That's really interesting. So firstly, I just want to say congratulations on your TED Talk. So I have watched one and it, it was incredible. And it was about one of the topics that I find interesting so it's about intermittent fasting if anyone Mm -hmm. is interested on that and it did actually go viral I think it's like three or four million views and it was really well articulated as well so that was obviously fantastic but what I'm interested now then is just hearing what you said there the introvert side so Mm -hmm. find your voice kind of stemmed from me suffering with anxiety and Mm -hmm. us having this conversation eight months ago would never have happened because I just wouldn't be able to handle it I would just be too nervous I'd be too shy yet here I am now having an open conversation with yourself and one, one of the things I found as an introvert was that I kind of gained most of my, I suppose, energy by myself or in deep, meaningful conversations mm-hmm. as, as opposed to actually being on stage. How did that transition take place? Was that literally just yourself kind of going through affirmations or the power of words, as you mentioned? I mean, how did you translate that? Because I'm sure there's introverts out there who are probably thinking, do you know what? I really wish I could do a TED talk or maybe just speak at work or maybe in a school or something. Yeah. I mean, I I think part of it is the way that my brain works. I always like to challenge myself and intellectual doing things that are intellectually challenging for me. And and if you were to meet me, you would probably be surprised to hear that I am an introvert. I always say I'm an introverted extrovert. I'm extroverted what I need to be, but I'm generally someone that likes the quiet and peace of my house and, you know, not being the center of attention. So uh, I decided that I really needed to push myself that I've been an entrepreneur and and, uh, you know, I had, you know, great success with what I was doing, but the, the next frontier, if I really wanted to make a larger impact was to have a, a platform with which to stand on. And, and, you know, I'm active on social media, but that to me isn't the same. And so having to commit something to memory, first of all, having to find an idea worth sharing, mm. commit it to memory because it really does have to become part of you and then being able to deliver it effectively to me has been one of the most growthful things I've ever done as an adult. But I'm also the kind of person like I like to take calculated risks. And so throughout my lifetime, I've not done what people expected of me. And so I've always I always say it's the I always take the sharp left turn in my life that, you know, had I done things the way that my parents expected me to do them or the way that society expected me to do them, I wouldn't be who I am. So inside there's a little bit of a teeny tiny rebel. And so that, that, that's part of, that's part of that whole perspective. But, but I do getting back to your original question, Mm -hmm. I do think for me, there is, um, I, I do quite a bit of, of mindful attention and work. And so limiting beliefs are something that I really work hard at. And I think all of us, I don't care how confident an individual someone is or is not, we all have them. And so I kept saying to myself, my thoughts become my actions. And so that concept of neuroplasticity where your thoughts actually can structurally change your brain and your brain patterns. I kept telling myself, I envision myself. I mean, I would literally, I would just do visual work. 
I envision myself standing on the stage and knocking it out of the park. So the first one I did, I said to myself, I want to be the, it was a smaller TED talk. I want to be the best speaker there. And I could see myself doing it. I just needed to actualize it. Uh, and same thing with the, the second talk, uh, largely because it came after, you know, having a, a health crisis. So I think there, there's a lot to say about positivity, mindset work, uh, dispelling limiting beliefs, really intrinsically believing in who you are. All of us have gifts to share, every single one of us. And it's it's figuring out what your gift is to share with the world. And, and for me, I, I recognize what my gift is. And uh, I think it's really important that we as individuals are, you know, creating opportunities to stretch and grow. Like I always say, and I say this to my children too, they probably get tired of hearing it. I'm like, you don't grow unless you push yourself. You don't grow unless you challenge yourself. You don't grow unless you get a little uncomfortable. Like you have to be, un, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, we're not meant to be static individuals. We really aren't. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fascinating. And as you were saying that, I was kind of nodding my head because I have this rebel thing in myself as well. So I have literally kind of gone against the grain in pretty much all situations. And it's just because I know deep within myself, I want to have a larger impact. And that's mm -hmm. kind of why I'm doing the podcast. It's why I do a lot of stuff. But doing this stuff really does frighten me and it does kind of challenge me. So I, mm -hmm. I had a YouTube channel as a very quick example. And people would see that and instantly assume I was confident. But what they didn't mm -hmm. see was that for a three minute video, it would take me the best part of four hours to kind of produce and get right mm -hmm. and really kind of just be happy with sending that. So I love the way you explain that. And I love the analogy of we need to challenge ourselves mm -hmm. because like you said, everyone has a gift and everyone mm -hmm. has a story to share, which is basically what Find Your Voice is about. And it was just nice that the most growthful thing you did as an adult is probably what most people wouldn't expect is to literally have delivered and shared your story. So that's really fascinating. And I think you also hit the nail on the head with the limiting beliefs as well that it is something that I think we all kind of struggle with. So is your best tip, and I'm just doing this just for anyone listening, is it literally just kind of reaffirming it day in, day out? Is that how you literally did it? So you said, my thoughts become my actions. I want to be the best speaker that then you visualized it. Is it a daily practice that you do? Is that part of your routine? Largely, yeah. I mean, largely, I, I think, so. so the challenge with the first talk was that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare and it occurred right around the holidays. So here in the United States, between Halloween and like New Year's Eve, so late October to the beginning of January, is just crazy with kids. And so for me to have to, you know, buckle down and run a business and try to, you know, not only write a TED Talk, but execute it and commit it to memory. I drove my husband crazy. I'm married to an engineer. And I made him I made him sit down with me and go over, over and over and over again. I mean, I thought about it in the shower. <laughs> I thought about it when I was sleeping. I recorded it in my car. I mean, I drove my entire family crazy listening to it, but I wanted to be really well prepared. And so for me, part of the process was saying, I know that if I put in this effort, I will execute it, you know, in a, a degree that I want to. Uh, the thing that's interesting, and I think it's worth sharing with your listeners, is mm -hmm. that you know, we all have imposter syndrome. I don't care who you are, mm. where you are in your life. We all have imposter syndrome. And so when I got to Toronto, which is where I did my first one, I, uh, we had practiced the day before and I was like the last one to arrive. I think I was one of the very few that didn't live in Toronto. And so, you know, I, I was already like flustered cause I had to get through customs and get in a cab and get to this location <laughs> yeah. and I get there and I'm the last one to arrive. And so I'm the last one to go and I totally choked. 
Mm. And the organizer didn't like me very much. I'm not sure why. I think I triggered some things in her, but that's a whole separate topic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she was really hard on me. And I remember I went home, I went back to my, my hotel and I remember I talked to my mom and I talked to my husband and like one girlfriend and I realized that no one was going to get me out of this, that I had to buckle down, get, you know, the, the inner bitty shitty committee needed to, to leave, that I, that I was completely capable of executing this talk. I just needed to totally focus. And so I spent the next, you know, like 18 hours before I got on stage to just be in the right zone. You know, I, I, I didn't watch TV that night. I, I had a nice dinner. I... I think I watched something on Netflix, like off my iPad. And I was like, I just want everything. I want to be super relaxed. I want to be in my zone. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And so once I got up on the stage, I was fine. But I remember mm. it was like those, those feelings of like, this is either going to be fantastic or I'm going to totally bomb it. And who wants to have that opportunity and bomb it? So I was like, there's only one option. <laughs> there's only one option at this point. So I got up there and I rocked it. But uh, it, it's the power of those beliefs and, and me just t- telling myself there are no other options. The only option is you're going to succeed. So that was, you know, it's that, all that mindset work mm. before I got up on stage. It makes me giggle now. That's fantastic. You absolutely did rock it because like I said, I've seen it. It was fantastic. And one thing I like about that, and I say this with all due respect, by the way, is when you mentioned the choking, because mm-hmm. it kind of dehumanizes yourself in terms of mm-hmm. when you watch that on TED Talks, people are going to think, oh, this is, somebody who's like a fish in water and you know they're used to it they look like a professional speaker but I'm very glad that you just said that because I've won awards at Toastmasters and people have questioned my anxiety for example but what they haven't seen is that the first five speeches before that I didn't ever say a word I just stood there got really embarrassed ended up sweating and ended up walking off right but it was only when I really spoke my truth and just what you said again using your words is I put the effort and preparation in mm-hmm. and I kind of did a similar thing so I was sympathizing for your husband there and I had a vision of a, of a <laughs> poor chap there having to listen to you because I'd done the same thing to my wife and I think for anyone maybe listening to this and, and I definitely urge him to go and look at your TED talks is to know that sometimes if you're fearful maybe in the first instance of doing something definitely outside of your comfort zone is to just prepare that's probably mm-hmm. one of the best tips I recommend. And you've not shied away from that. You're not trying to pretend to be more than you are, if that makes sense. So I really acknowledge you for sharing that. Thank you. No, you're welcome. And, and if it makes it any better for anyone that's listening, my second talk was even harder to execute because I, I had not, my health had kind of been an issue right before then, but it was part of my recovery. And I was like, I'm going to do this talk. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to get up there. So yeah, I mean, so it just goes to show you that the power of mindset, it takes precedence over everything else. Like if you can just get out of your head and you can just envision what direction you want to go in, it'll happen. It really does. Absolutely. And just hold fire actually for that second talk, because that's going to be something that (laughs) that I want to speak to you about, because that's fascinating as well. It's an absolutely incredible thing. But while we're here now, we're just speaking about mindset and getting out of Mm -hmm. our own head. What's your daily routine like? Because I'm always interested in looking at successful people. And what I want to try and do is give the listeners tangible takeaways that maybe they could implement in their lives, because I'm aware that we're all different. We all have different things that inspire and motivate us. So hopefully maybe one thing, maybe all the things that you do on a daily basis, somebody could implement to really try and improve their life. Yeah. I mean, for me, I I would say the most important thing I do every day is I get up before anyone else in my house. So the time that I have is mine. uh, and, And that's really critical. So Uh, I always try to spend at least five to 10 minutes practicing gratitude. I mean, it is a true practice. 
Mm. And some days it may just be I'm writing down three things. Some days it's it's more deliberate and it's longer. Uh, and that's how I start my day. I mean, I try to be very deliberate right now. You know, we're heading into fall, so it's making it a little harder because the sun's coming out later. But I try to get sun exposure first thing in the morning. It's really important to reset. The circadian rhythm, you know, tells our bodies it's time to get up. Uh, I think the most critical thing for me that I do every morning is I exercise. And, you know, some days it's HIIT training, some days it's lifting weights, some days it's, you know, doing core work. But mm. that for me just sets the tone for the rest of the day. You know, it reduces my stress levels, makes me feel good, you know, physically and emotionally. And then I usually roll into my day, which usually means walking dogs, getting kids to school. Mm -hmm. um, I do try to take 30 minutes once the kids are on the bus to do 30 minutes of professional development reading. Now, I know that sounds silly. And when I first started as an entrepreneur, I was like, who has 30 minutes for that? That's ridiculous. But the more I invest in myself as an individual, the more I have to give to others. And so it depends. You know, some days it's a nerdy science kind of book. And then some days it's a mindset book. It really depends on my mood. And I, I, at any given time, I probably have five or six books in heavy rotation, which embarrasses my family. They're like, mom, <laughs> got like four or five books, like everywhere you go. And I still like to hold on to books. I will listen through Audible if it's a book I'm not going to read again. Like if it's a book for pleasure, that's a great opportunity. But otherwise, I like to have a highlighter or a pen. I mean, I sound like a gigantic dork, but <laughs> I just I sometimes like to go back and reference things that I've read. So I will reread books. Uh, and that's typically how I start my day. And I also, I fast. So I don't worry about having to get a meal in. I'll just drink lots of water or I'll drink green tea. I'm not a coffee drinker. And that's typically how I start my day. And and it's a good day if I can get all those things in. And I'm, I typically don't start my work day. I'm, I'm always behind the scenes, but uh, I don't start my day until 11, which I found allows me to get administrative tasks and, and things with my team addressed before I start, you know, doing my, my professional role. So. Absolutely love that. So there's a lot of self love and a lot of self care there. And you said a brilliant line there, which is you invest more in yourself. So then you have more to give to other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important. It's like the analogy when you fill your own cup up so you can fill other people's cups up. Correct. So that's definitely amazing. And as you were saying all of that, it almost felt like we were getting towards the end of the day. And then you mentioned that's at 11 o'clock. So it's fascinating <laughs> what, what we actually can get done if we kind yeah. of find that period. And I do find myself, if you can just wake up just before all the noise and all the emails and all the notifications start coming on our phones, that's really where we can get some just deep, either deep work done or we can really start to work on ourselves. So uh, that's brilliant. And there's definitely some good takeaways there that I urge people to have a look into. So what we're going to do then is segue backwards into your second speech at TED Talks mm -hmm. where you said it was a bit more difficult. And I know mm -hmm. uh, having read your biography about this trouble. So if you could maybe tell the listeners about that story, about what was actually happening and more importantly, the lessons that you took away from it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously I, I mentioned I'm a nurse practitioner. My whole background's in ER medicine and cardiology. So I've taken care of very sick people throughout my my professional career but nothing prepares you until you yourself are faced with a health crisis. So the backstory is this. I had gone on vacation with my husband. First time we've been married 16 years. First time I was able to go on a business trip with him because my mother finally retired so she could watch the kids. And so we went to Hawaii and came back from Hawaii. And within 48 hours, I was in the emergency room, essentially fighting for my life. I you know, had a, an evening where I had terrible nausea and vomiting and I assumed I had picked up a bug, um, just came back from vacation. It makes sense. 
And then the next day I developed probably the worst abdominal pain I've ever experienced, worse than labor. So if there's any females listening, you understand what that feels like. Mm, And so um, I learned when I was in the emergency room that my appendix had ruptured and the entire length of my colon was inflamed. And so the surgeon came in very late at night and said, I want to take you to surgery, but I can't. Uh, you're too sick. Uh, you know, I was septic. I was, you know, really, really sick. And so they admitted me to the hospital. And then I spent 13 days in the hospital with every kind of complication, despite being super healthy, <laughs> every complication you can imagine. Yeah. And about five days into my hospitalization, I don't think I've ever been clinically depressed, but I do recall I was by myself, you know, no one was with me. And it was a snowy day. It was February. So here in Washington, DC, we sometimes get snow. And I was feeling really despondent. I was like, I've done everything right my entire life with my health, the way I eat, the way I live my life. How could I be this sick? Because they kept saying, we can't figure out why you're so sick. It doesn't make any sense. And so I was feeling very, very depressed, very despondent. And I remember whether you believe in the existence of God or the Holy Spirit or the universe, I was given a choice. And the choice was, you can choose to live, but you have to surrender. And it wasn't a physical surrender because I was already there. I mean, I couldn't do anything else. I was like laying in a hospital bed, sick as stink. But the emotional, the spiritual surrender. Mm -hmm. And once I accepted that and really accepted it, not just piecemealing, okay, I'm really doing this, really accepted it. Then I was at peace and I was at peace. And I said, I will stay here as long as I need to be here. I just want to get home to my family. My children are too young to not have a mom. And in my mind, intellectually, because I'm, I'm very cerebral, I was like, I want to deliver this talk, which when I told my husband that, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so I left the hospital. I had missed every deadline for this next TED Talk because the, the next talk I did was in Greenville, South Carolina, which was completely the antithesis. The people were amazing and so supportive. And I, you know, I had my team send them an email you know, explaining what was going on. And uh, I said, I still want to do the talk. And, and they weren't really sure that I was going to be able to do the talk. And I assured them I was. And so I left the hospital on March 2nd Mm -hmm. and had a meeting with them the following week. They wanted to see me on video to make sure I was actually alive. And so I said, this was part of my recovery. Doing this talk, I feel like intrinsically I meant to do this talk. And they were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we just want, we don't want you to be compromised. And so, you know, I went home with IVs and antibiotics. I mean, I was, I had a drain in that was drain, I had a drain into my, um, my abdomen. Mm. And so. The joke was every week I had to go back to the hospital and they would, they would decide whether or not the drain could be pulled. And, you know, we're then, you know, it's like every week I go back, they're like, nope, you still have a a fistula, which is a tunnel where it doesn't belong. And five days before my TED talk, you know, I walked into the hospital. It was like the third or fourth time I got back and I said, okay, we need a plan B because I'm not doing this talk with this drain. And, or if I have to do it, we're gonna have to camouflage it. And so we were going back and forth and and they said, Cynthia, you're not going to believe this. We can pull your drain. And I was like, that's my sign I needed. And to happen. So I went to Greenville, South Carolina with a ruptured appendix, no pain, did my talk. And, you know, when I look at when I did my first versus my second, I mean, I look very different. Um, Mm. And largely because I lost so much weight, I'd lost 15 pounds in the hospital. I was always a healthy weight, but I'd lost 15 pounds, which when you're tiny is a lot. Uh, But I was scared when I did that talk. I mean, I, the speaker quality at the second talk was pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I had the same experience. You know, my son came with me. My youngest wanted to come with me. So I took him. And the day before they do practice. And what do I do? I get up on stage, bigger stage, bigger venue, 500, you know, 500 seating and this kind of um, stadium seating. 
And I totally choked. Mm. And my coach looked at me and she's like, you're going to be fine. You know your talk. You're going to be fine. And I remember that whole day I spent the day with, with my son at the zoo and did all these things to distract myself. It was the best thing I could have ever done was bringing him with me. And the next day I got on stage, they were very thoughtful. They, you know, they let me go third because they were concerned. They didn't want me to get tired towards mm. the end of the day. Got up on stage, totally rocked it. Yes. Got up on stage and I was like, <laughs> oh, what a blessing. I was so happy to be done. Wow. <laughs> um, it was an incredible experience, but the point being, I willed that to happen, mm, that I was going mm. to be able to execute that talk despite not feeling 100%. I was still not, um, I was still not 100%, never knowing what was going to come after that. You know, to me, the, the goal was to get there and execute a really good talk that would be um, helpful and inspiring. That was the goal. My goal was never for it to go crazy viral. That was, uh, you know, the needle in a haystack. People do TED Talks for that purpose. That was never my purpose. Um, but I, I can now see the value in, uh, you know, the universe kind of makes you give, give a little to get a little. And so that's largely been, you know, that practice of gratitude. Not that I wasn't doing it before, but oh boy, is it bigger now. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think life is, I don't think there are any coincidences in life. And I, I think that this was meant to happen at the time it happened and to prepare me for what was to come. So. Absolutely. I, I love that thought process and perspective that you've got there. Firstly, I'm, I'm glad you're much better now as well. Obviously we spoke just you before too. the show. So yeah, absolutely. And long may that continue. But yeah. um, as you were saying that I was like, this lady is just willing herself to literally do it. And mm -hmm. you use those exact words that you kind of willed yourself to make that happen because your mm -hmm. your purpose almost there was just to inspire people and deliver to the best of your ability mm -hmm. um and, and i absolutely love that and i think maybe again we'll probably never know the answer but i think having that sort of focus and that that kind of goal maybe helped your recovery as well throughout yes. that process as well because it, yeah and i think that's something really important we should all try and be wary of because sometimes we just go aimlessly through life and when we don't have that purpose, that's when we do become almost despondent or depressed as mm -hmm. well. So yeah, that's fantastic. And are they both on YouTube? They are, they are. And so the first one was in Toronto and then the second one was obviously in, in Greenville. Um, but I mean, I could not have had completely different experiences. I mean, all the speakers I interacted with were amazing. Um, but I, I do have to say that the people in Greenville, South, South Carolina, and I was born in South Carolina, that's what made it kind of significant to be there. They were wonderful. I mean, right. it was an amazing experience. So, right, that's incredible. And just as you were saying that, so I've just opened up one of my browsers and I've just clicked on, and the one that I watched it was 12 minutes 44, and it was actually the Greenville one. So, I yep. would have no idea uh, looking at that that you would go in through so much. So, that's more testament to yourself. So well, it. don't don't ever look at the comments because my, my team looks at them. But I think after the first day, my husband was like, yeah, don't read those anymore. Oh, really? Because, oh, <laughs> wow. well, it's just, you know, I, I think it's anywhere on social media that. People feel the power behind their computer and they'll say things they would never say to your face. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I read through them once and I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. So just don't ever read this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I That's a conversation for another day, but I don't understand. <laughs> how. I mean, I have just enough energy to kind of get myself through the day and try and help other people where these people find energy to bring other people down. You just, you almost have to sympathize for them because I always say they're fighting their own demons in their head. Just let them carry on. But um, I thought it was fantastic anyway. I have a, a little, um, oh, I, you know, I, I think of most of those people that they are middle-aged adults that live in their parents' basement. 
yeah. and probably are, are chronically addicted to things they shouldn't be addicted to. And, and so they feel the power behind their computer. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I wish the, I wish anyone well that decides to be that venomous, mm, but mm. you know, life is short and it's like, I, you just, they need a hobby. I think if they had a hobby, they wouldn't be so nasty. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no critical, well, I always say like, I'm the kind of person I take constructive criticism to heart. I really do. If it's a constructive comment, I appreciate that. If it's nasty, I don't even want it. It doesn't even register with me. I'm like, I just completely ignore it. So absolutely. I think that's the best way to do it. Moving on from these people, <laughs> because <laughs> we're going to stay positive today. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a fascinating story and you, you've done a lot and you've kind of adapted your lifestyle to really try and move yourself forward. And I love that thing about you where you're always trying to challenge yourself and always try and be more to do more and give more I suppose at the end of it so in this precise moment then what's your biggest fear oh today mm-hmm. mm. right now oh I just joined a very big mastermind and I you know the imposter syndrome stuff is starting again um, and it's a very large investment of my time and and financially and so I think my greatest fear is you know we have our first big retreat coming up and I want to be able to, I want to be able to contribute. So I think my greatest fear is, will I be able to contribute to this very valuable opportunity that I was invited to partake in? Uh, I think that's my greatest fear. Now I know myself well enough to know that between now and then I'll be in the right mindset. Yeah. I'll be in alignment. You know, I'll be manifesting up the wazoo. But you know, between now and then, it's like that that little that you know that little bit of self doubt will start to kind of creep up, and so I just try to squash it. And I very actively, someone asked me this the other day, I very actively um, engage in things that permit me the opportunity to uh, work on my inside as much as I do on my outside. So I think it's really critical that people understand that I have the same like insecurities and self-doubt that that anyone has. I just very actively work on those as much as I can because I know that I won't be capable of offering my gifts if I'm stuck in my head worrying about stupid stuff. So I always remind myself, like, in order to really elevate my purpose and elevate my contributions, I need to I need to work on that stuff. So I always say I'm always actively working on my inside, yeah, absolutely, um, as much as the outsides. So I absolutely love that answer, and uh, I acknowledge your honesty for that because. You're literally like the perfect guest for Find Your Voice because I don't want people to hear these people that come on this show and think, oh, it's okay for them. Oh, it's all right for Mm -hmm. them. We all have the same anxieties. We have the same Mm -hmm. levels of nerve, the same levels of self-doubt. But what you do there is actively work on them. And that's what it's about. It's about executing. Mm -hmm. I don't want this podcast just to be kind of like a feel-good podcast. I want it to literally be, okay, we've now got steps. We've now got tangible takeaways. Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's try and implement something and let's really try and change our lives. So... Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think my lesson this year mm-hmm. was that, you know, maybe I l- appeared to be Teflon like before, meaning mm. I appeared to be a little too perfect on the outside. Everything looked perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, my life, I'm referring to my life. And yet this year showed people that I really uh, am, am fallible and I can get sick just like everybody else. And so I always say like my, my greatest trauma I've ever experienced, I think has been my greatest blessing. And that's, that's the way that, you know, when we talk about mindset, I never for a second felt sorry. I mean, that one day I referred to in the hospital, felt sorry for myself that day. Beyond that, I was like, this is a gift. Mm. What can I do with this gift to 
you know, push me forward because many, many people might've gone through that same thing and they would not have made the same choice as I did. And that might've been the right decision for them to make. But the point being is you can take great adversity mm. and turn it around for yourself and, and to recognize you have the power to do that. You really do. If you want it to happen, you desire to happen, it will happen. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something that has become a common theme across this podcast is adversity can be your biggest gift mm -hmm. if you allow it to be. And again, it requires a hell of a lot of mindset work, a lot of perception change. But I always think some of the greatest moments in my life, and I'm sure people listening now, and even you could probably attest to this, is some of the greatest successes have come from pain. Yes. And it's almost either changed course or it's built resilience or it's really helped us to kind of persevere and develop ourselves. So I always try and say the same thing. I think you articulated that beautifully. I think we should always try and find the meaning in whatever the pain is or the suffering mm -hmm. and try and think, okay, how can we actively work on this? Like you said, using your words again and move forward from it. So yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think it's also, it's really critical for people. Um, you know, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? Mm -hmm. You know, to really think about what's our perception? How does our perception create our future? Does it create our, our now? Mm. Um, and, the, and the reason why I, I feel the urge to share this is that I grew up with um, parents who are good people, but they were very, very hard on my brother and I, and they were, had a very ugly divorce. Mm. And so there was a, a, a tweet going on about parenting. And so I, I kind of jumped in. And what I didn't realize was when I shared what I grew up in, which is completely the opposite of what people would think. Mm -hmm. And I said, my parents showed my brother and I mm. a lot of things not to do. And I said, so I didn't grow up in this Brady Bunch, Beaver Cleaver existence, but my gift was it really demonstrated for me what I didn't want to recreate. So my kids live very differently. My marriage is very different with my husband than what I grew up in. And my husband grew up with the Beaver Cleaver, Brady Bunch kind of environment. So I <laughs> yeah. thought, you don't understand how different mm. it could be. But the point being, throughout your lifetime, you have opportunities to take adversity and is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? So it's a choice. You know, those kinds of things are choices in how we choose to perceive the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great lesson. And there was a gentleman I spoke to, Dave, and he mentioned something about you can learn something from every single person that you meet and it doesn't just necessarily have to be good. And when, right. he, when he said that, I was just like, oh my God, like it sounds so simple, but you've literally just given a brilliant example there where sometimes you could be in an environment where okay, it might not be going your way, but what you're doing is you're picking up lessons on how to maybe do it completely different. So yeah, I love that. Okay, fantastic. So Cynthia, what we're going to actually do now is we kind of segue completely off on a tangent into what I like to call the fun part of the show. And, <laughs> and all I like to do here is literally for the best part of 90 seconds is kind of give you some quick fire questions and just literally multiple choice so whatever comes to your mind the first thoughts there's no right or wrong but it's just to kind of give the listeners a little bit more about you because I'm conscious that sometimes stories can be quite emotive or quite dark and mm, I want them mm -hmm. to know that obviously there's a more fun expressive side as well <laughs> sure <laughs> okay fantastic sure. so we're, we're going to literally start as soon as you're ready yep I'm ready okay excellent we're going to go in three two one if you could abolish one thing in the world what would it be child prostitution your favorite book right now my favorite book that I just finished for the second time was Headstrong. What is your favorite food? Mm, avocados. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Mm, I, I'm able to read people really well so I can figure out what they need. Love that. Your biggest role model? Oh, my grandmother. What would you like to be remembered for? Hmm, that's a good question. 
compassion, clarity, inspiration. Love all those. Your biggest goal this year? <laughs> um, well, um, I would say I think I've achieved my biggest goal,、uh, and that was to be invited to do this mastermind because that, in my mindset, was like telling me I'm I'm clearly like headed in the right direction. It was like the validation of the universe, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're ready for this, you're ready for being pushed really hard. Probably that. Your favorite motivational speaker. Oh, Lisa Nichols. I really like her. I love her. She's amazing. I mean, every time, every single time, and I can listen to her nonstop. Every single time I listen to her, it just brightens my day. I, I love her no nonsense style. Like, I hope to eventually meet her one day. She's absolutely awesome. I listened to her on Tom Billu, and she brought a tear to my when she told、mm-hmm. the whole story of her diversity. It was yeah, amazing. Sorry,、yeah. we're in a quick fire, and I'm just rambling on. <laughs> Your number one health tip? Oh, sleep more. If you could relive one day again, what day would it be? I would probably say, if I want to be sentimental, you know, the births of my children. If I want to think about a day where it reaffirmed my my existence in this planet, why I'm destined to be here, was the day I did that TED talk. Like it, it was that pivotal in my life. The second one. Your number one piece of advice to your children. Oh, be kind to themselves.、Mm. You know, we—I live in a very affluent, pressure cooker part of the United States,、mm-hmm. and these kids get so much pressure put on them、mm-hmm. that you know, I—I I, I said to my husband the other night that you know, my my older son opted out of applying to a an academy of science program, which we were disappointed about. But I just said, you know, if it had been the old me, I really would have pushed him hard.、Mm. And I just said, you know what? This isn't what he wants to do, and, and choices have consequences. And so we explained that to him.、Uh, but I think being kind to yourself—if I'm going to honor that in myself,、mm-hmm. I need to ensure my children honor what intrinsically they feel is right as well.、Mm, absolutely, I love that answer. And finally, the ability to fly or be invisible. Oh, I'd love to fly. Okay, brilliant. So we're almost heading towards the end of the show now, Cynthia. So. Just two more questions, if I may.、Hmm. The next one's about reflection. So I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing because obviously,、mm-hmm. upon reflection, we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker, easier, or with less heartache. But I'm sure, as you'll probably agree, the journey teaches us so much, and everything、yes. happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer of that. So knowing what you know now, with all of your wisdom and all of your knowledge, and having gone through all the adversities and the trials and tribulations in your life. If you could maybe go back to a younger Cynthia and just whisper something in her ears, what would you say? Be patient. Be patient. I was so even in my twenties, I was so so deliberate in the way that I lived my life. You know, I'm I'm the typical Type A, you know, goal getter type person. I would have just enjoyed life more. You know, I think that I was so impatient to like move to the next goal that I wasn't necessarily enjoying being in the moment.、Mm. And so that's something I've I've obviously learned as I've gotten older. But I probably to be patient and just enjoy the experience.、Mm, absolutely, and I think actually that's probably something that we could learn even as grownups as well.、Mm-hmm. Because especially with social media and stuff, we almost feel like we need it now. We need it yesterday. Yeah, it's instantaneous. And I, and I think you know I'm I'm a little older than you, so you know for me. I didn't grow up with all that social media exposure, and and trying to navigate it as a parent is is really interesting. But you know, setting limits for all those things because people can get sucked into this. It's all an illusion.、Mm. You know, that's really what it comes down to. If people recognize it for what it is, then you can use the power of social media 
to your benefit. But if you fall into that illusion, then you, you kind of get tricked into believing it's more than what it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And I actually, so firstly, thank you for the compliment, but I actually missed out <laughs> on social media as well because uh, growing up, even at university and stuff, we never had, I think we had a phone just to ring your friends and say, where are you? It was literally like the LCD kind of display. Yeah, And yeah. I was actually speaking to one of my best mates a week ago and we were just saying how simple life was and just how yeah. easy it was that we weren't, for example, we were getting drunk, but we weren't worried about if somebody's taking a, a photo of us correct we, correct we weren't standing on the dance floor with our uh, phones in our hands it was just mm-hmm. present and it was literally like the best five years of our life so yeah, yeah. i think we definitely yeah. we got the best of both worlds absolutely yeah absolutely brilliant so okay that does sadly then cynthia leave us to the last question and the last question i always ask people is about legacy so mm-hmm. let's say in 150 years time science fails to save us and all that exists is a book. And this book is about you. It's about your life and all of the amazing things that you've accomplished in your life. Firstly, what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell the reader about you? Oh, boy. Hmm. Truth seeker. But, mm. you know, the, the summary in the back would be, you know, she endeavored to educate, inspire and empower a generation. That sounds awfully lofty, right? But I, I, I mean, thought that, it was brilliant. That, yeah. <laughs> it's as if like you had that already planned on your vision board I thought that was fantastic well I I mean it's funny I got approached to write a book and I was all ready to sign you know sign with this literary agent and Mm -hmm. I told my husband I was like I don't think I'm ready to write a book I mean it was like I was all excited I flipped to New York I met with you know all these different people and it Mm -hmm. sounded all great and I was like I'm probably meant to do one but it's not right now so maybe one day absolutely and let us know as well I definitely will. Fantastic. And just before I wrap up the show and give the listeners a chance to connect with yourself, is there anything that you wish maybe I had asked you today or maybe any sort of messages you'd like to give to the listeners? No, I think you facilitated a really great interview. I do a lot of Thank these you. and, and uh, I can say that with true honesty. So no, I think you did a great job. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So what is the best place then that people can reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. It's uh, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm on Instagram, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm on Facebook with my old business name, which is CHT Wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a free book, a free group there called Cynthia Circle. And it's where people can kind of pick my brain. I bounce ideas off of people to kind of see what resonates. And then obviously my website, which is www.cynthiathurlow.com. And I have a podcast of my own called Everyday Wellness that I co-host with a clinical psychologist friend of mine and we bring on a lot of wellness professionals and we've got some heavy hitters that we're going to be interviewing this this coming month to so talk about limiting beliefs it's like we're over preparing for these interviews trying to make sure that we have something a new fresh perspective for them to come on that's fascinating that's brilliant so what i will do is to make life easier for everyone is put all of those links into the show notes so you can literally just click whichever one you want i want to once again thank Sat. Let me get my words out. Thank <laughs> Cynthia for her transparency and honesty. I almost made it to the end of a show without making a mistake, but hey, that's part of life. And as always, for everyone else at home, thanks for listening. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.